I know you're sick of hearing about the SBC, but don't click away because this is going to be important and useful. Why? Because the SBC is the largest Protestant and evangelical denomination in the country. And if it goes south, well, that has a lot of implications. So we need to talk about what happened at their annual meeting. And unfortunately, it wasn't that great. Welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast. The Wikipedia Podcast is a ministry of enemies within the church. You can go to enemieswithinthechurch.com to, well, view the film, view enemies within the church. You can also click on the Wikipedia button at the top to look at our website, see more of the information that we have, explore the resources that we are creating, and we might have some exciting news on that front coming up, but we will leave those until a more formal announcement. But let's get into it. The Southern Baptist Convention, uh, they had their, well, their convention. And let's just say it didn't go that great. Now, what is the Southern Baptist Convention? It's the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. Are you confused? Well, congratulations, you're not in the SBC. Technically, the SBC only exists when it is in session, when it is in convention. Uh, at the other times, it is just in legal entity. Yeah, it's a whole confusing mess if you're not in the Southern Baptist world. Uh, don't worry, that doesn't come into play into this. But we do need to talk about what happened because, though it wasn't as dramatic as the past several years, no better. No better. In fact, there's some very concerning things that happened this year, not because they themselves were problematic, but the implications, the future, what's going to happen over the next year, what's going to happen at the next meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention is going to be very important. Now, again, like I said, this is important even if you're not in the SBC because it's so large. At some point, you are interacting with an SBC entity a church, or your pastor may have been trained at an SBC seminary because they train a lot of the pastors in this country. Uh, Lifeway, low-cost Bible software, that's owned by Lifeway, that's owned by the SBC, and on and on. VBS, tons of the VBS material is created by the SBC. Some place you are interacting with them. So it's important to know what's going on. Also, it might be important at some point to just have an episode talks about what all makes up the SBC, because I bet you there's a lot more entities involved there than you really realize. But we need to talk about things because, as I said, it didn't go that great. Now, there's generic and normal stuff. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the people on the stage, the platform, uh, they really control the show. And it's, it's one of the reasons that conservatives have been having such a hard time because they're fighting against adversaries that don't fight fair yet they're they're agreeing to the rules of engagement they're saying all right there gentlemen we shall all abide by these same rules except the liberals don't care that's how liberals work 
So they pull out all sorts of tactics. Now, at this one, there was there's bullying from the platform, not as much as there was in previous years, although there definitely was. Uh, people's mics were cutting out left and right, especially when it came to people pushing for conservative things. Uh, it does not seem to be simply coincidence. It seems to be much more intentional, and it was happening a lot. Uh, there was a moment where someone asked, the the president of Lifeway, why they're still why they're still pushing Beth Moore. Beth Moore is really woke. Beth Moore is pretty against the SBC at this point, against their their stated beliefs. Um and she's just a she's just straight up a false teacher. She's got problems in basically every category. So he asked why why are you still pushing Beth Moore? Now, the answer he didn't give, but it's the real answer, is Beth Moore makes him tons of money. Beth Moore still makes him tons of money. The response that was actually given to the messenger was to ask, well, have you read Beth Moore's memoir? And it was just, it just drifted off from there into nothingness. That's an absurd answer. I mean, if they cared at all about anything, if the platform cared at all about any integrity, someone would have would have leaned over to the guy and said, yeah, that's not answering his question. Please honestly answer the question. This is the time for the messengers, for the members of the Southern Baptist Convention to ask questions, and you're just completely being a jerk. Well, let's put it, say what it was. It was just being a jerk to him. But that's not an answer. I mean, I'm going to be generous and just say he that's what he was doing to dodge the question. But it kind of comes off as, uh, you know, very much uh, in the vein of standpoint epistemology, very much in the vein of you just have to see it from her perspective. Because that's what, that's what he did say in there. You know, you just have to understand her story. It's, what does that have to do? If she's against the SBC... If she doesn't align with with the SBC, why is the SBC pushing her? That's problematic. He also clarified that they they put out material that they don't agree with. That's extremely problematic. As a Southern Baptist, I would be up in arms that the president of your publishing arm would say something like that. It's not a a generic publishing company. It's the Southern Baptist publishing company so it should adhere to what southern baptist beliefs at least to to the core beliefs obviously there's certain things that you can be like okay that's not a specifically sbc distinctive but it's not going against one of the core things that that we really stick to so there's an area we can disagree there no no we're talking about stuff anyway let's not rant too much about there (laughs) another messenger asked the head of the International Mission Board. So the the entity within the Southern Baptists that sends missionaries out, their missions agency, their uh, foreign missions agency. The messenger asked if they'd apologize for forcing the COVID-19 vaccine on to missionaries. They said, you either get this or you come home. A lot of people had problems with that. A lot of people had problems. Even even people that were for the vaccine had issues with with the stance that was taken. It was aggressive. Um, 
the response to say that it was lacking is a bit of an understatement. It was, again, it was just kind of like, I'm going to ramble on. And because I'm going to talk a bunch, that means that you're wrong. But but the short of it is he wasn't going to apologize. Wasn't going to apologize. He was going to try and conflate this problematic vaccine with historic ones that uh, are in a completely different category. So he tried to mix apples and oranges. He tried to just kind of deflect it. He tried to make it into a we're morally right, you're wrong type thing. Um, at least that's the implication that I was getting out of it. But it's just problematic. And it, it, there's just tons of these these little things, little things going on. And then it starts to grow. It starts to get slightly bigger and bigger. Um, a big one that's been a problem is the SBC, the leaders, the leaders' stance on abortion because it's been getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And if you actually pay attention to what they're saying, functionally, they're not against abortion. Oh, sure, they might want to see it, it restricted. They might want to see it, but they're not fundamentally, hey, we need to end abortion. We need to do this right away. There is no, uh, <laughs> there's no slow process. There's no incrementalism. Now, some of you might go, well, I'm, you know, I am for the ending of abortion, but I'm okay with making incremental progress towards that. That's fine. I'm, you know, I'm not a capital A abolitionist, not in that movement. I will celebrate when there are things that strike blows against abortion, even if it's not the total ending of it. Now, the only solution is the total ending, the total abolition of abortion. But what they're pushing for is this sort of weak-handed, kick-the-can-down-the-road type incrementalism, this pro-life stance that's not pro-life at all. And the, the biggest way that they're revealing this, that, that people are calling them out on, that messengers are asking about, there's several. I, I, I love what the tactic that was used. Over and over, they asked different entity heads about this. Uh, but the... Because it's got to come back to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, the ERLC. If you aren't familiar with that, you're familiar with the former head of it, Russell Moore, one of the wokest of the woke, very problematic man, uh, <laughs> the chief ethicist for the Southern Baptist Convention that was about as ethically backwards as you could get within the realm of, you know, without being a total, complete pagan, um, someone that's at least pretending to be a Christian, but his replacement isn't any better. Brent Leatherwood is not any better. He's now been asked multiple times about this, and he's given pretty much the same answer. Uh, the biggest thing that they're, they're getting keying in on, and I, I think it, it's making a lot of sense in people's minds. The messengers are, are being manipulated left and right, but I think a lot of them are, are kind of seeing that, hey, this is kind of problematic, because they ask him about, it, you know, it basically comes down to, is abortion murder? Yes, it's murder. Is someone who commits murder a murderer? Yes, they're a murderer. So can we hold women who murder their 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 babies, get an abortion, accountable for murder? Well, no, no, you gotta understand. I, I I'm pro-life, but and you should see a problem whenever it goes to the I'm against this, but we have to make an exception here. We have to understand the woman's perspective. We have to understand that she's a victim too. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. First, one, I mean, you can't do basic math. Why why can't a someone who's the head of an ethics and religious liberty commission not do basic eth- ethical math? You know, they laid it out for him, and he goes, well, hey, 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 hey. That's not how it works. It's just, it's very problematic. But, yeah, I do think that in this culture, this is the argument he used, oh, this culture of, of women are being abused, or they're being abused into thinking that abortion is a good choice. No, 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 okay, first, go look at how many women celebrate their abortion. So you got to actually look at the the real statistics. But even then, I will agree with him that women are victims in this culture. This culture abuses women to the nth degree. The problem is you're still responsible for your own actions. It's like saying, oh, well, I'm not responsible for hitting that car and killing that person because I was drunk, so I wasn't in control. You're responsible for getting drunk. You're responsible for then driving. You're still responsible for your actions. Women, even if they've been lied to, if they go and willfully get an abortion, they're a murderer. Now, the the beautiful thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ can save murderers. In fact, the greatest evangelist in Christianity was a murderer. So if, if... Paul can be saved. They can be saved. Their sins can be covered. Do not diminish that. Because when you tell them, no, 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 you're just a victim. You're not a sinner. Well, what salvation do they need? And if you try and say, oh, well, they're just saying it about the abortion. No, that leaks into other things. That sets them up with a confused morality that is going to, you're telling them you're good on the outside, but inside, if they're being convicted by the Holy Spirit, they could be convicted of their sin. They're going to be convicted of the sin of abortion, but they're being told externally that it's not actually a sin. They're going to be left in conflict. You're heaping more on them. You're hurting them. You're victimizing them when you don't acknowledge the reality. That's gross to me. They victimize. They are victimizing the people that they say are victims. It's the same thing to do with the, the sexual abuse stuff. The people that are pushing the the... Uh, reforms in the SBC trying to stop sexual abuse are actually increasing abuse of women because they're abusing the women. They're abusing victims. They're abusing fake victims. They're abusing all sorts of things to push through an agenda that in the end isn't about helping women and is hurting everybody. Everybody. It's destroying the SBC. But that's a whole different issue. One that I have a lot of thoughts on, but let's continue on. They also passed a resolution on immigration. Well, that, that's fine, right? It, it's a Southern Baptist. They're going to be conservative, so they're going to be taking a conservative stance on immigration. Immigration is a good thing. We should have good regulations on immigration. Uh, we want people to come into this country. We want them to become citizens, to integrate, to become productive members of society, to grow this great country that is America. Except that's not what they were going for. They were it pulled this the things, it pulled the classic lines that confuse. What are you talking about? Legal or illegal immigration? What kind of immigrants are you talking about? Are we talking about smart things? Uh, smart immigration. 
Are we talking about getting people assimilated, acclimated to the country? And in reality, no, they weren't pushing for any of those kind of things. And one of the, the thrusts of the resolution was about diversity. <laughs> because, of course. But there's two, there's two big things. Now, I really hope you stuck with me because the, we're getting into the, the meat and potatoes now, the two, the two big things. And I think I'll save the, the big, big one for last because it's going to get me fired up. And this this one we can do a little bit quicker. In Trust me, you're going to want to stay for the last bit, uh, even if just to see me get upset. But there was a, there was a positive outcome for certain things for the SBC. There was negative things in that, and there's going to be some ramifications that we're going to see hit hard, I think, uh, for that denomination. Now, if you're unaware, although I think most people are not at this point, the Southern Baptist Convention is a complementarian denomination. They believe that both men and women are equally, you know, equal in value, equally gifted, but have different roles. And one of those different roles is pastor, and that pastor, the Bible restricts pastor to being men only. This is opposed to comp or egalitarian, which is that there aren't that th these differences don't exist, that everybody can be anything, and that so men and women can both serve as pastors. They are a solidly complementarian denomination. It's in their uh their statement of faith, their confession, uh, the Baptist faith and message. It's ingrained in so many other things. It's inarguably there. It would be very problematic for that denomination to get a soft position on that because it would tear the whole thing apart. It would destroy the unity of the denomination immediately. And then we can talk about so many other points with that. But the point is, that's their stance. That's their position. That's where they stand. And so the question has been, hey, we've been finding a bunch of churches. Uh, the last count was something like 1,800 uh, female pastors in the SBC, which is a rather significant amount. But the big one has been Rick Warren. Rick Warren, uh, pastor of Saddleback Church, former pastor, Pastor Emeritus. I'm not 100% sure. It doesn't seem like they are 100% sure or he is 100% sure. The big kerfuffle around all of this is really centered on Rick Warren, who has suddenly come out to be egalitarian as opposed to the SBC stance of complementarian. So he's come out in favor of women pastors as opposed to the SBC, which says, no, we're, we don't have women pastors. He's been on a campaign. Now, I originally thought that the, the play here was for after last year when Rick Warren got up before the convention and made a very impassioned, very narcissistic speech and got a standing ovation. I thought the play was going to be to use him because his church was disfellowshipped from the SBC. They were removed from the SBC for uh, having women pastors, even though they've actually had that for 
longer than just the last year or two. But so they removed Rick Warren came there and he appealed. He appealed that decision and it was actually voted against. He was he was voted against and he was voted to be uh, still removed from the SBC. So the conservatives are like, yeah, yeah, see, we got a win. We got a win. Yeah, we're holding the SBC together. It's not going to fragment along these lines. And it was a pretty one sided vote. 88 percent in favor, uh, 11 and a half percent against. So. Yeah, look. The conservative side is getting their way. The SBC is not going to be changing, at least on the issue of uh, women in the pastor, pastoral roles. But there was there was something that happened that's, that's pretty darn problematic, which is a lot of people have been sh- just shoving the SBC to the left. Use this as an opportunity to take a stand against Rick Warren. Like I said, I thought the play was going to be to have the messengers vote for Rick Warren and then the platform go, oh, guys, see, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to stop policing anything now because you guys don't want us to. And then they're going to let open the floodgates to a ton of different things. That didn't happen, but it allowed for. There's another point on that, but it allowed for a lot of, again, people that have been shoving the SBC left to appear conservative. Mark Dever, who, unlike a lot of these guys that try and play conservative, the guy is Democrat, votes Democrat, has no problem with that, tries to get other people to, tries to confuse issues, uh, you know, tries to get people to not vote Republican. Oh, well, if you're voting, you know, single, he does, he pulls the whole single issue voting thing about abortion, even though that's an issue that isn't, it's not about single issue. That's a issue that's so big that I don't care if it's a Republican. I don't care who it is. If you're for abortion, I'm not voting for you. Not voting for you. That single issue is not a single issue voting. Oh, look at you. You're not considering all the factors, which is the the play that he tries to take. Uh, No, it's put pushing pushing towards 70 million Americans in the grave. That's not a issue that we can compromise on. I'm sorry, Mark Dever. He's also heavily pushed things to left when it comes to issues, uh, woke issues, especially critical race theory. He, He really helped advance that. But he got to take a stand against Rick Warren and convinced a lot of people, and I was you know, looking on different Southern Baptist groups, they were, oh my goodness, yay, look at this conservative. Um, the other one is Al Mohler. Now, Al Mohler is a tricky one. We talk about Al Mohler, and a lot of people, even people that agree with us, are hesitant. They're like, but he does seem pretty conservative. He's done a lot better job of cultivating a character that appears very conservative, yet then you talk to people behind the scenes, and there's something very different. You look at the people that he hires and you see something radically different. You see the people that he protects as an institution, uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and you go, wait, but th- these are people openly rejecting the uh, rejecting the Bible as inerrant. They're 
pushing openly critical race theory. They're pushing false teachers. They're pushing all these things. Why are you allowing this? Why have you participated in some of this? But let's look at a little video because he responded to Rick Warren. And there's something important here that that is going to come up because, again, he's, he's trying to shift. He's trying to shift things and go, I am conservative. Look at me. I am conservative, too. In the year 2000, the words, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture, was inserted because 30 years ago this issue threatened to tear this denomination apart. The definition of friendly cooperation came down to the fact that that was an issue that would endanger the cooperative cohesion and faithfulness of the church, of the Southern Baptist Convention. And in particular, we look to this issue because Southern Baptists decided this is not just a matter of church polity. It is not just a matter of hermeneutics. It's a matter of biblical commitment, a commitment to the Scripture that unequivocally, we believe, limits the office of pastor to men. It is an issue of biblical authority. It is one that has actually led to the unity of the Southern Baptist Convention as Southern Baptists have gone forward with an issue of clarity here, which has greatly made our doctrine and order a matter of unity and harmony. It is the unity and harmony of the Southern Baptist Convention that is now at stake. And we're in an unusual situation. Once again, this is not a convention responsibility to offer a comprehensive verdict on the ministry of Rick Warren or Saddleback Community Church. We can thank God for every good gospel thing that is represented by that church and its ministry. People have been sharing this. People have just been like, wow, we have a hero. A lot of people that are against woke stuff, they've been against Al Mohler, have suddenly kind of switched camps on that, on their opinion of him. Again, he's promoting people that kind of go against what he seems to to stand for. It's a problematic place there's also some language in there that i'd really like to go through like word by word and look at some of these things because al Mohler is a as people describe him a statesman uh he's very intentional with his language so not going to give him a pass on some of the sloppy word usage but the biggest thing that i want to note is people are praising this and look at look at this strength he's standing up with look at this oh my goodness wow uh the SBC, we're not going down th- this direction, blah, blah, blah. What does he do at the, the end of that clip, though? And he, he, he continues on for a couple more minutes, uh, and then he, he does the same thing again. He compliments and praises Saddleback. Every good gospel thing, that has been a problematic church since the beginning. He also makes it very clear that even though you know he talks about, oh, we're not here to examine every every facet of Saddleback, and then he compliments them. So what does that say? He is examining them and he's approving of them. He's just dis- disagreeing with them on this one thing. Again, that's highly problematic. Like I said, he he compliments them ag- again in his speech. So it, it's not just a one-off thing. It's not just a pleasantry. He's complimenting them. He sees them as a positive thing. It shows you the state of the SBC. The SBC is only kicking out Saddleback because of the. there's a current 
tide that wants something done about the egalitarian question in the SBC, yet they had no problem with these other errors. And it's it's really concerning to me. It's subtle, but it's really concerning. Again, though, it gets these men like Dever and Moeller to look conservative, to score huge points and to get people to accept them again after they got a lot of pushback uh, over 2018 to 2020, 20, maybe in 2021, 2022. Um, and they're kind of rebuilding their conservative bona fides to make themselves look good again. Now, on the, the question of kicking out Saddleback, last year, the convention, which I, I, I'm... Unless I, I didn't see it, they they never addressed this, but they put together a committee to, or was it, oh, I don't remember the whole, really the whole details because there's so many different moving parts, but they put together a committee to study what a pastor is, study the word pastor. And a lot of people were like, why? Why, why do you need this? Like, that's very confusing. And they did the same thing this year. So even though, even as they're kicking out churches, for these issues, they have a group of power players in the SBC, former presidents come up and recommend a motion to establish a committee to do that same thing. They reworded it. They reworded it to say, study what is friendly cooperation. Uh, and that, that passed. So they're presumably they're going to be doing that and bringing recommendations next year. But it's weird. Whenever there's there's movement that says we this is what makes us a denomination distinct, this is what makes us conservative, you know these things. There's always some element that pushes back against that. That's un, you know it's indecent to to do these things. They don't want to disfellowship these people. They made it very clear with that, which is concerning. Now the big one. Let's go to the big one. There was a. I'm not even going to say the word. There was a slot for a sermon to be preached. But instead, a man got up, got right in the face ranting against uh, his opponents. And his opponents just happen to be anyone who is even slightly conservative. But let us watch this video. And I think this is just the, the highlight moment of how bad things are in the SBC how much power the liberals have. And I, I'm probably going to be stopping this several times because it infuriates me and it should make you upset, especially if you're a Southern Baptist. This in and of itself should be a moment, kind of a watershed moment from uh, this, this meeting that should make you go, they need to address this. This is extremely inappropriate. And again, this wasn't a sermon. A sermon is a time to look at God's word and see what God says. Not a time for you to start attacking people. Not for a time for you to start ranting. Not a time for you to just talk about whatever you want. I, I joke about uh, you know these weak, bad sermons just being spiritual TED Talks. This doesn't even fall into that category. But let's look at some parts of this again. I think this is a shocking moment. Uh, I tried to edit this down to just get kind of some key points because, you know, it's obviously it's quite long and I don't want to 
keep you here too long, but let's look at this. We have a solidly orthodox conservative statement of faith in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 that every single one of our entities follows, every single one of our seminaries teaches from, and this is what our mission boards and our church planning networks do, this is what your state conventions do, this is what the associations do, and anyone who tells you different is a liar. I'm just going to clarify right there, I am not a liar. I provided facts and information when I came forward about what the North American Mission Board was doing, the false gospel that it was teaching, the woke gospel that it was pushing. I provided evidence. It wasn't even all the evidence. I just tried to keep it focused to one specific point so that people could easily see things. But I provided facts. Do you have facts for what you're saying? Let's celebrate what God is doing in our midst. Are we going to give weight to people in this convention who give nothing? Are we going to give weight to people in this convention who tweet more than they tithe, who post more than they pray, who raise objections to reforms instead of raising protections for the vulnerable? Are we going to be a people who are going to listen to the spirit of fear? By the way, the spirit of fear, what is our God's inerrant, infallible, inspired, all-sufficient words say, the spirit of fear doesn't come from God. So if somebody is peddling fear, where do they come from? He just said that his opponents were of the devil. This is something that J.D. which this man, uh, he, Todd Unzicker, he is, was, I'm sorry, he was a pastor at J.D. Greer's church. And then now he's the uh, head of the uh, oh my goodness! I'm gonna get. Th- I'm gonna say the wrong Carolina, the South Carolina, uh, North Carolina state convention. Someone's gonna get upset with me. I am sorry, whichever Carolina I just upset. I might have upset both of them because you might not like the guy, but he just said that people, the people he disagrees with, are of the devil. Like, this is pretty inflammatory language. Now, fun fact, someone went through his his Twitter, and since he created it, he's tweeted 3.33 times a day. Are we going to continue to be shaped by divisive groups on social media? Tweets and blogs and videos and podcasts and cheaply made synodocs. Now, that's a direct jab at Founders Ministry uh, because they've referred to their... Uh, their movies, their videos, um, their films on different SBC issues as synodocs. So it's very obviously pointed at there. I mean, someone should have shot off his mic. If they had any integrity, if the SBC had any integrity, if anyone in leadership had any integrity, they should have shut off his mic and said, that is, which is funny because this is what they do say. You know, we we don't talk bad about, we don't talk bad about other Southern Baptists. You know, it's the, the joke is that this, that's the 11th commandment within the SBC. You don't talk bad about other Southern Baptists. He's doing it openly. He he very directly insulted other Southern Baptists. Someone should have shot off his mic and got up there and said, we don't do this. We don't do this. But this is where things have progressed. And this is why I find this shocking, because it's progressed to the point where you can do this openly. You can openly attack your opponents in what's supposed to be a time of holy preaching of God's word. I mean, I when I get up to pray or to when I get up to preach, I've covered that in prayer 
and I'm internally trembling because I am an imperfect man about to get up and declare God's perfect word. That is a terrifying moment. It's a terrifying place. Now, I have utter confidence in God that he's called me to do that, utter confidence in God to, you know, that he has been guiding the study. He's been guiding the grace and the message, and he's getting his message out to the congregation. So I'm not afraid to get up there, even though it is a terrifying moment, because I understand it's the fear of the Lord, and I am an imperfect man. I, this man has no fear of God. This man has no fear of God. I'm just going to say it. This man has no fear of God. Maybe there's some contention and friction that some of that nonsense on the internet is spilling over into your own, con in your own congregation. I know that our African-American brothers and sisters know this and have known this for hundreds of years. Great persecution right here. <laughs> I, th I threw in that line because it... it there's not really any context to it. He just starts talking about suffering and then says that line about our African-American brothers understand suffering for hundreds of years. And it's very strange. And it, I mean, it's inescapably a critical race theory inspired take on things because it's saying who modern people right now who were not affected by the things that happened before them are a class of people and as a class suffer from these injustices. It was just very strange, very randomly inserted, but it shows a little bit about his perspective. So I thought that was at least worth noting. And I stand by that unwaveringly, but we should always be aware of the urge to purge. And if we're going to break fellowship with one another, then I pray we would do it in tears and not cheers. Trevin Wax, one of our own, said, short-lived will be the movement more passionate about hunting heretics than making converts. And I'm afraid, judging by the way some of you go to the mics over and over and over and over again and year after year and your posts on social media, I'm afraid that some in this room live more for the convention than they do for the mission. And what if we took half of the amount of time tweeting and posting on Facebook and we started getting back to gospel sharing soul winning? Why are we letting our convention get sidetracked from preaching Jesus? Because we listen to these guys who, put away, who, who forget what Ephesians 4 says to put away all bitterness and short temper and anger and slander and shouting. Except that all he did there was showed anger and bitterness, and slander, and shouting. And seriously, from the beginning to the end, his face goes from normal to just red in the face as he's continually berating people that he doesn't like, as he berates people from a, a position where he's rewarded for doing that. Uh, he gets pat on the back from a lot of his friends that were saying, oh, what a great sermon, as he's directly why because he's directly attacking their enemies he's directly attacking his enemies in a time that's supposed to be a sermon and what's worse is he treats god as a tool he treats the preaching of god's word as a tool why why do we do wikipedia why do we care to do the things that we do we care 
about God's word. We care about the gospel, the integrity of the gospel. We care about it. We want to see souls saved. So that means we have to fight against men like this that would replace the holiness, the glory of God with a cheap imitation that condemns people to hell. We are standing up for biblical truth. Are there people on the internet that are just trolls, that are just being jerks, that are just causing a commotion? Yes, those exist. But to categorize everyone that has a complaint as of Satan is insane, is evil. It is, guess what? It is of Satan. This man is not just a hypocrite. This man is gaslighting people. He is telling you, this is what I am doing right now, but it's you that does it. And it is wicked. And it is right to be righteously indignant and upset when someone does that, when someone uses what is supposed to be the holy preaching of God's word to then attack people, to be an absolute hypocrite, to use God's word as a bludgeon to attack his political opponents, to politicize things, to to say that if you raise a concern that you don't care about the gospel. Let me tell you about my friend Judd Saul, the director of Enemies in the Church, who has to deal with nonsense like what Todd here is saying, who has to be accused of all sorts of hateful things, who has to be watch his work get criticized as hateful as being against the gospel, as all of these things that Todd here is saying. But do you know what Judd does? Do you know what Judd's heart is at? It's not in Enemies Within the Church. It's not in criticizing things. It's not in being a naysayer. It's not just, oh, he's out there to just complain. No, Judd is the most generous man that I've ever met. And that's not hyperbole. He really is. He cares about people to the just amazing degree. And his heart is in Nigeria. His heart is with his, his ministry there, equipping the persecuted. His heart is with spreading the gospel. His heart is with taking care of persecuted Christians. And that is what he does. That is his ministry. Enemies within the church is something that needs to be done. And because he has the skills, he does it. Let me tell you about my friend Sam Jones, my co-host. Again, same thing. He does enemies within the church. He does Wikipedia. He comes on here every week because he cares, because he knows this needs to be done. But where his heart is, is preaching God's word from a pulpit, is ministering to people. Where his heart is, is outside of a Planned Parenthood, seeking to save the lives of innocents. And he gets accused, he gets called all sorts of hateful things for what he does to protect people. If the SBC is in a state where they can allow 
this kind of nonsense to pass as a sermon to be done at their convention, well, I have one conclusion. The SBC is dead, and it's time to get out. Look, if you're in the SBC, if you're a conservative person in the SBC, look at the past several years. Look. When there was a, a when it was just assumed that the SBC was conservative, conservatives started getting slaughtered. When there became an organized, an organization to represent conservative uh, elements of the SBC, they've been slaughtered worse and worse every year. One thing I didn't mention is Bart Barber, an absolute clown of a man. And I don't say that just as an insult. The things that he posts on Twitter, the clownish things that he says and does, the positions that he takes, just biblically problematic positions he takes, are just shocking. Now, you want to talk about a man that tweets a ton. You know, Todd's here is criticizing that. There, there's a man that tweets a ton and attacks people, attacks SBC pastors on Twitter, then apologizes, but then doesn't take down the offending tweet. Call it out, ignores that. He got elected with over two-thirds of the vote got re-elected with over two-thirds of the vote. Slaughtered. Conservatives are getting slaughtered in the SPC. Something has to radically change. Strategy has to radically change if you're going to save the SPC because just trying to fight them on their terms is not going to work. And frankly, I think if you are biblically faithful, if you care about biblical fidelity, it's time to leave the SBC. If you still want to, if you want to leave and then try and fight from the outside, yes, I know that is more difficult, but if you want to leave and then try and still fight, do it. I still bring these things up. I still talk about it. I don't want to talk about it despite having left the SBC because I care. I want to see it changed. I want to see this not be the truth, but the reality is it's dead. Maybe it could be revived. I don't know, but it's dead. You got to admit that if you want to see anything change. You got to admit the reality of the situation if you want to see anything change. You can't give in to shows and displays from people who are not actually conservative, who have shown their true colors. You have to hold them accountable. You have to see actual repentance. Repentance is not just saying sorry. Repentance is not doing the right thing later. Repentance is actually owning up to what was wrong, stopping that action, acknowledging it, turning from it, and proceeding in the right direction. Sometimes repentance means that you need to step down from a position of leadership because you've broken the trust there and you can't just get it back. Something I say, the only men that are, the only pastors who sexually sin that are qualified to return to the, the pulpit are the ones that are humble enough to know that they can never return to the pulpit. Now, don't miss with the statement there. The statement is not that they can. The statement is is the only ones who <laughs> who could be qualified would be the ones that know that they they aren't qualified because they're humble enough because they're showing that they're humble and submissive to the Lord. And I met men like that, and I thank God that He brought them to a place of true repentance. Now they can't get back in the pulpit. Don't hear me wrong. but those are the only ones that are humble enough. If these people don't, they never repent. They never acknowledge anything. 
And then they just, oh, look at me. I am conservative now. And people go back to him. Stop going back to him. Your relationship with the SBC is an abusive relationship. If you keep going back, the SBC is just going to beat you again. Just like what Todd did here. Absolutely just whipping people, conservative people. You have any, you can't question anything. You are not allowed to question things. If you do, you're of Satan. You come to the convention, you ask a question from the floor, you're of Satan. Yeah, but our chief ethicist thinks that abortion isn't actually murder or that people that, that have an abortion aren't murderers. No, 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 no. You're of Satan. Shut up. I'm sorry, guys. The SBC is dead. Acknowledge that. If you want to fight, you need to acknowledge that first. I really think the biblically faithful position is to get out. Because again, things are slipping the wrong direction. You can do more good for the kingdom of God by getting out right now. And we could talk about what, what you should do if you do get out. Because I think there's a lot of good that you can do. Good that Baptist churches could do. I think they could build a lot of really good things. Former SBC churches could build a lot of good, more focused networks that do better work. I think the SBC itself is become a bloated entity in general that cannot properly function anymore. I mean, just look at the convention. Look how bad the convention is. E even if you had everything going perfectly, it would still be problematic. It's just too big at this point. But it's time to get out. It's time to get out. You want to fight? You want to find a way to fight? Fine. But please care about your flock more than you care about the SBC. Protect your flock. Stop exposing them to garbage and nonsense and people that are hating them. Again, Todd, Todd did not hide his disdain, his hatred. It's infuriating to me. But that is all we have for this week. If you have any thoughts, remember you can leave them in the comments down below if you're on YouTube or Rumble. Uh, we actually did get a comment from someone on a uh, one of the audio platforms. I think it was just Spotify itself. Uh, so I know we can. I just don't uh, fully understand how it all works. But you can always email us at contactwikipedia at gmail.com. But until next time, as Sam would say, keep standing for the truth. But the important thing to remember is don't go woke.